Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Okay, hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast, and we're talking with uh, Joanna Sweeney-Burke, who's the CEO of Digital Trade Institute. How's it going, Joanna? Hey, how are you, Ronan? Great, thanks. So tell us a bit about your background, because I know you used to be a journalist, and how do you get into this area of digital uh, training and the social media? Well, yeah, I mean, I always loved writing, and, you know, at 13 years of age, I decided I wanted to write for a living and wondered what career I'd go into. So it, it led me to journalism, and I studied broadcast journalism and public relations in NUI Galway, and my very first job, I think, really was central to how my career developed. So I worked as a broadcast journalist in Highland Radio in the early noughties, and at that stage, the Morris Tribunal um, had been established, so listeners may remember that that was the public inquiry into allegations of wrongdoing against some members of the force in County Donegal, which was my home county. And for two months, the hearings came to Donegal, and that allowed me, as a very young and new journalist, cut my teeth on a national and an international story. And very often during those two months, I would be the sole journalist there, and then the national journalists would would show up for for the big names when they were giving evidence. So... Um, I always had an interest in policing, I guess, Um, and then I I, I left journalism after my first job and jumped into the Chamber of of Commerce movement, and um, really communications and PR then then took hold. But about 2005, I guess, I realised that the business and our industry of communications was changing. And I saw social media coming up and I describe it as lapping at my ankles. And I decided that I wanted to to know everything there was to know about digital communications. Suffice to say, I was updating the Highland Radio News website back in the year 2001. So, you know, I was kind of tech savvy from from that perspective. And I went self-employed 10 years ago and um, I was doing social media from the very outset. Well, I guess it's changed since then to what it is now, a lot. Oh, boy, oh, boy, running has it changed so much. I mean, when social media first came out, we were broadcasting with text only on Facebook, and it wasn't very sophisticated. And let's be honest, it wasn't very engaging. But I guess people got excited because citizens got a voice. Fast forward 10 years and I was just doing a study of the impact of social media on the Eighth Amendment referendum and eight weeks out from the poll I saw very clearly that social media was having um, a massive impact and social media shapes preferences and decision making of the public and I would argue that it also has an impact um, on the media as well and so the world that we live in now um, has dramatically changed from a communications perspective. I remember back in 2007 I was president of a local junior chamber branch in, uh, in Fingal and at the time one of the members said he gave his training on this new platform called Bebo which <laughs> goes to be the next big thing but it never was, never came out to pass. Facebook overtook it pretty quickly. Yeah, and I talk about, um, when I'm speaking on stages, I talk about the two Goliaths of the internet, one being Google search, 
and one being Facebook social. Yeah. They command attention and they are also commanding the advertising revenues and anybody that thinks otherwise is hugely mistaken. Of course, there are other plat- social media platforms that we all love like Snapchat, Instagram and a Twitter. Um, but really Facebook with its ownership of WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram and Oculus um, is really got the, the market cornered. Yeah, I think that uh, Snapchat lost its way when it, when it introduced its, when it changes how its UX and UI. That lost Absolutely. Of- and you know what? You make a, such a valid point because what organizations and brands fail to realize that the empowered consumer right now wants a seamless user experience. And if they don't get it, they ain't hanging around. They're moving on. You can saw when the Kardashians were openly complained about it. And the moment she did... They lost a lot. Of, the, the company lost a lot of value in what they were worth because of that. It's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely, and you can see the power that one person can have and the influence that they can hold over multi-million-dollar brands. Yeah, and then I look at Twitter, and it's, Twitter is something I really, really like, but I don't know where it's going because it, it, it how it's make money. It's hard to do. To say what's going to do with it next because unlike Facebook. Advertising on there isn't up front as in your face as such, and they don't have ways of really monetizing it, unlike uh, Facebook does. Yeah, and you know they've they've tried to partner with um, sports brands and media brands and covering you know NFL in the United States, and that's been kind of exciting, but it just hasn't taken off so that it's mainstream and you're absolutely right about their advertising platform it's not as sophisticated um, and the targeting isn't as good as Facebook despite Cambridge Analytica and you know the data scandals that they're facing um, Facebook really have something that is hugely valuable to advertisers and they know it as well yeah because I know that with, uh, with, with Twitter I find it easier to use and if you want to share a story on Twitter it can be go very quicker and there in the kind of Facebook in certain ways because you can share it with one person and they can share it around. Whereas on Facebook, it goes amongst your friends first, then 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 it goes further afield. Yeah, definitely two different two different platforms. Obviously, on Facebook, us is you know working in media and communications with our Facebook pages. You know, we're battling against the algorithm all the time. And in January, they announced that they were going to deprioritize media pages and public figure pages because they wanted to go back to the roots of Facebook being a place where friends and family connect and share. So, you know, that was Facebook telling us up straight, if you want to get reach on Facebook, you got to put your hand in your pocket. Yeah, and I, I think that's the wrong way to do it because surely, surely they, they can do it in a different way that you don't feel like you have to always spend money, money, money. Completely. And then from... You know, a uh, communicator's point of view, it feels less authentic when it's sponsored. So there's that sort of um, contradiction as well in it. Yeah, and it's also, you get the feeling, is this, uh, if, you're, if you're getting your your publicity or your story publicized like that on Facebook, you got to wonder, is it fake news or not? Because if you wouldn't pay the money for it, how important a story is it? And you know what? This is one of the, the big, big topics um, that I have slotted into the public sector digital marketing summit around the changing face of news and media. And I've, I've spoken about this on my own podcast and written about it on my blog. I truly believe that the role of media right now, whether it's print, online, 
radio or TV has never been more important um, in the history of our lives because you guys have a massive responsibility to protect truth um, in the news and to be able to, you know, get up higher in the rankings, whether it's in search on social yeah. against the fake news sites because they're not going to go away, right? No, because I've seen sites, for example, like uh, Breitbart at the moment, there's a guy in Britain called Tommy Robinson who's mm. been who's been just in jail for contempt of court. And you get a lot of people online and everywhere else and posting stories about why he should be set free and asking Donald Trump help set this guy free. Now, this guy blatantly broke British laws. So why should he be allowed to uh, get away with it? And you're getting fake stories about him becoming uh, major news when it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. Absolutely. And I think I just read yesterday about some um, high-profile public figure coming out in support was it actually um and i need maybe I, i'll be corrected on this you can check it out um megan merkel's um stepsister yeah that was true and again sorry that happened yeah go ahead sorry that was true it happened she did come out and say that on twitter there you go and, and again i was reading it going hmm is this true is it not so you're you're second guessing yourself as you're consuming media and you know it's a really tricky time for all of us to be in that space and I that's why I believe like even my own journalistic experience and my journalistic ethics that I research and research and I only communicate the facts um, and so the role of media um, is really really important um, right now so um, you know your podcast your website um, it's really important that that people go to the source of the truth every single time and ask themselves when they're sharing something, you know, am I confident that this is the truth? Well, I always look at Brent Bradley, Washington Post, always say to the journalists, whenever you give me a story, I want you to give me two sources to back it up. They're independent sources. And that's why I look at it as well. Absolutely. That is a really good rule of thumb. And another one, if in doubt, leave it out. Yeah. Or at times in the past, I've actually gone with five sources. If I'm doing a, a, a story on tech security, I will go through and get five different sources to grab out what I'm saying, just so I'm not getting like uh, one guy's viewpoints. And one guy's viewpoints can be skewed. So make sure it's all independent views and put it together. And that's one story. And you know what, Ronan? Yeah. I mean, that level of effort for, for really good journalism takes time and costs money. Um, and but that's what we need. I was speaking to um, a transatlantic uh, expert about a year ago um, at a an EPP group thinking um, in in Wicklow, and I interviewed him for the podcast. And he said to me during the period of the global recession, um, you know, from two thousand and ten to two thousand and sixteen, in the United States, for every one journalist, there were five. Or practitioners. Yeah. So what does that do to news? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes you get people who who uh, who are in PR and then claim they're journalists to get the stories out there, and you get other ones that uh, basically uh, a lot of journalists actually go into PR because they find it easier. And it's sad in the way. It's, it is. It is. And so yeah, I mean, the changing face of news in the digital age is. A massive topic and I think it's one that we can we should keep you know keep at the top of the agenda so the public get 
it, that they begin to understand that they have a responsibility um, in sharing only the truth. Yeah, and at times people don't know what the truth is. They're assuming that somebody writes a story for a reputable newspaper or online uh, publication. They, they're presuming that it, it must be true because it, it, they published it. Not always the case. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of work still to be done um, for those of us that care about um, the truth in the media. And I, for one, are going to keep hammering on that drum. Yeah, well, me too, because I, I, I'd rather somebody... I'm the kind of person that if I'm given a story, I don't go for the scoop unless... Because when you go for a big scoop story, that's not going to get you much plot. I'd rather go for a story people want to read that's interesting and engaging. The scoop. Absolutely. Yeah, at times the scoop, all it's going to do is get you for a while, maybe a few more readers, but nothing much else. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I was speaking to um, a Facebook representative about three months ago, and he's head of government outreach. And I asked him out about the importance of going viral on Facebook, and he said, well, in actual fact, Joanne, what we in the algorithm prefers to see is regular and consistent momentum on the graph as opposed to a one-off spike because that does really in the long term does nothing for you yeah. so you're right mm. i've had in the past few stories that i've written and then i've changed them at last minute because i realized that i don't have the scoop here because if i have the scoop here it's great but it's going to be a spike and i want to have a constant curve going up over the articles of when they're read indeed so tell us a bit about this conference you're hosting in, uh, in Mention House in June 14th. So I, I guess it's a long time coming, um, even though you know I've only been planning it for three months. If you look back at my career and covering the Morris Tribunal, and I did my Master's in Journalism on the Morris Tribunal, and then four years ago did my Master's in Digital Marketing on how Angarda Siakana uses social media, it's probably no coincidence that... I'm now stepping into a space of hosting Ireland's first digital marketing conference for public sector marketing professionals. And I think it's needed. And I think that those who are working in the public sector, I mean, they have a lot of power and they also have a lot of responsibility to the citizens um, that they are working on behalf of. And communications is absolutely vital. Um, and I do feel that during the period of the recession, um, we know the private sector suffered, but the public sector also suffered caps on recruitment, no investment in CPD or training, systems not being evolved, technology not being invested in. And yet the empowered consumer, the likes of you and I, were living life through our smartphone and we're expecting a seamless experience and to engage with brands, but also with the public sector through our phones we expect them to tell us what's happening on social media and i feel that there's a gap in in the knowledge and the skills um, and so i wanted to create this conference to showcase well who is innovating in the world of digital communications from the public sector and i put a deliberate focus on ireland i do have a number of external speakers but i really wanted to to give a stage to our main public sector organisations. And so we have Angarda Siakana, the HSE, Trinity College Dublin, Beaumont Hospital, Irish Rail, Dublin Airport Authority, to name just a few. And the room um, is going to be full of public sector, marketing press, 
communication and social media professionals, and also people from the agency world, so from PR and digital marketing agencies, because obviously, you know, they have won big tenders to work alongside the public sector on their digital communication. So for me, it was something that was really important. I know I attend lots of amazing digital marketing conferences here in Ireland, and they're hugely beneficial to me, but they don't speak to the public sector because when the public sector engage in social media, they're not selling a product. They're selling and communicating a public interest message, and that's where the main and the crucial difference lies. And I guess you've got to make sure that the staff in, your, in these public sectors actually know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Ronan, and I know that constantly developing your knowledge and skills right now is super important. We, we all can't know everything, such as the rapid change of technological development and social media evolution. But absolutely putting a sharp laser focus on you know, do you know what's happening? Do you know what the current trends are? Do you know what the public expect of you? Um, so there's going to be a lot of conversations around that, but also about 15 different case studies will be presented from the stage from public sector organisations to say, here's what we did and here's why it worked. And perhaps the opposite side of that, here's why it didn't work. So it's going to be very open, lots of sharing, lots of engagement, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration for people to go away and say, let's not fear digital, let's not fear the citizens, you know, let's have confidence and let's, you know, be better at our digital communications. I guess maybe they're worried now because in the past you have to go and ring them on the phone or see them in person, but now you can do it from the comfort of your own home, on your laptop or, or your smartphone, you can get to a lot easier, maybe that's scaring them a bit. Absolutely, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I used to be that journalist ringing a press office and maybe getting no comment. Those days are gone and they're gone forever. There is no opportunity anymore to say no comment because if you say no comment, there is going to be somebody on social media who is going to be driving that story and then you're playing catch up. Yeah. Um, and I think having that awareness and that acknowledgement is probably the first step. And I guess when someone says no comment, to me it means there's a story there. Yeah, well, there you go. That's your journalism yeah. instinct kicking in. And then you then have a, a bigger intention to, to continue to investigate that story, right? Yeah, and also if you're basically, for example, somebody who's involved, who, who's had an issue with HSC, maybe health issue, and I want to see what's happening. The fact that I can now go on social media or, or, and, and talk to uh, people about this, they're now afraid of basically, I, can't, I have to answer this because it's been publicised in that way. Yeah, and if you think about public relations as a discipline um, going back hundreds of years, it's about how you engage with the public. And we used to do it through the medium of the media. Public relations has now evolved and it's digital PR. We can now communicate with the public directly through the mediums of social media and web and apps. And we have to learn how to do it really astutely and effectively because that's what the public demand and that's what they expect. Because I guess about 10 years ago, if you had a problem with something uh, with a company or a government body, you would bring Joe Duffy. Now you're going to use Twitter or Facebook to talk about it instead. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure Joe realis realises that fact as well. Yeah. And the other thing about social media is that people are drawn together based on a shared interest. So if you have a shared interest over 
you know, health or security or any other public interest matter, then you're going to find people who share your views and then you're going to build a community and then the conversation grows and grows and grows. Yeah, because I, I guess right now, building a community is, is going to be the next big thing for this. And the thing with Twitter and also uh, websites like Buzz.ie where you've got a big community on there as well, sharing stories and talking about things happening. That's what's keeping these things alive. Absolutely. And, you know, it's only going to evolve. Google announced recently that in terms of technological development, we're only 1% of the way there. Now, that is very difficult to fathom and to comprehend. But if we have organizations who are ignoring the digital revolution, then they're doing it at their peril because the speed is nothing like we've seen before. Yeah, because I, I can imagine that technology has gone, has, has come down in price and increased in what it can do. Like 10 years ago, the cloud wasn't really what it is now. Smartphones weren't what they are now. And uh, to buy uh, a, a computer costs more than it does now. Everything's come down in price. Absolutely. The very first mobile phone, I think, cost $4,000. You know? Yeah. And I know, I know the iPhone X is pretty expensive, but it's still cheaper than it was like 10 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, because I, I can remember when I got my first uh, mobile phone in 1996, and it was pretty basic, big aerial, and you, you couldn't send texts or anything, just make phone calls. And I remember that, and I'm looking at what I can do with my, with my current uh, iPhone. I have a lot more. You know, did you know, Ronan, that in the iPhone there are 250,000 patents so what we're carrying around in the palm of our hand yeah. is more powerful than perhaps computers and i'm not sure people realize that but the functionality and the capabilities that that we have um makes the world a very different place and this is why it's important for public sector organizations to realize that the balance of power has shifted right now and it's shifted in favor of you know, me and you and citizens. Yeah. And I guess right now, like for example, a good example would be, would be to do with Irish water tobacco, where you had a lot of people on social media complaining about this and opening the markets, whereas 10 years ago you couldn't have done that. Absolutely not. I mean, we would have perhaps called our friends, written letters to editors in the newspaper. Yeah. Um, but the voices in the media would have been people who were in those traditional um, seats of power like politicians and um, maybe you'd have local people community leaders but right now you're absolutely right when a conversation that um, is divisive in the public domain people go to their social media accounts and they have their say and you know let's not you know forget about trolls trolls and bots are there and you know we shouldn't give them any air or any fuel but the majority of people who want to have their say, they definitely should be listened to. Yeah, and also I've got a friend of mine who's a, who's a Phoenix Hall TD, and every day in his Facebook page, he's posting up information that's to do with his local area. Ten years ago, you couldn't do that, you can now. So that's another good thing as well. Yeah, that whole transparency element of, you know, what do our political representatives do? Yeah. Um, absolutely, they can really communicate um, with people on the ground. Um, and giving them a voice so it can be used to great advantage and the public will appreciate and thank you for it if you do that, if you share and you share and you share relevant information that speaks to them. Yeah, yesterday I posted a post up 
about this bus service that was going from Scaries, or I think Scaries or, or Rush or, or Balbriggan, and he was saying, Dublin bus, like, listen, they're going to start starting the bus at an earlier time, just to let you know. That kind of is very useful to have to know. Absolutely. And where would you find out that information otherwise? You know? I don't know. So, Dublin bus won't be tell you this kind of stuff, unless you go looking for it on their website, which normally you wouldn't do at all. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what you call a a public service announcement coming from a politician to their constituents, and that's very helpful, and that's what people want. Yeah, and I guess with social media, they got they can now portray themselves in a good light. Like, if they're going through, the party is going through, a, say, uh, some bad news in the press of certain stories, the fact that they can go on social media and say, look what I'm doing for you, for you guys, forget the, forget the big picture. I'm here to look after you. Parts from politics in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess as more politicians get more digitally astute, um, hopefully the quality of their content and their output will get better. Well, it has to be, because otherwise people are going to notice that. Like 20, 30 years ago, you only see your, your TD basically out story in the paper and maybe now again the radio and now again the news or in the Rutgers reports, but nothing much out. But now there's media's around. You can see exactly what they're doing. Not only can you see it, but you expect to see it. Yeah. And I think that's the critical point. Um, as they said the balance of power has shifted and that expectation, that curiosity and that demand from the public's perspective is there and it needs to be served because if the people in you know, the positions of making those decisions are not, are not serving that need, then that's when the public goes somewhere else and listen to whoever is you know, responding to them, whether they should be or not. And that's when problems begin to kick in. Yeah, and, and I think right now, the, uh, with your conference, you're going to show people basically uh, that, that it's not a scary monster. Digital, digital media and everything else, and social media is, is, is here, for, the, is here for, for good. And if you use it properly and wisely, it can be your friend. Absolutely, it can be your friend and um, transparency, um, relevance and communications. You can think of all the positives that social media can give. And once you're willing to learn, upskill um, and put yourself out there a bit more, it can definitely benefit those that you're representing and also yourself. And also it portrays you and your department in a good light for once. Well, absolutely, because you know what? If information isn't shared, then cynicism and doubt creeps in and a perception creeps in that perhaps people aren't doing what they should be doing or they're not serving the public enough Um, and we are living in the era of the sharing age where we like to share stories if you looked at the RTE um, exit poll and the questions that they asked I find them fascinating they were a fabulous insight into what people were thinking and one of the questions was what influenced your vote and they said I think it was over 60% of people said the stories that I I learned and I watched and I viewed in the media and the media is a very broad word and I would suspect that the word media and um, the large proportion in that case was on social media that people were watching and hearing and reading personal stories of women of men and of families that resonated with them and that's because stories matter now 
You know, we don't want to be dictated to. We want somebody that we can relate to that can tell a story that has an emotional trigger for us and we can identify it and say, yeah, you know what? I understand it because, you know, that sounds a bit like a bit like me. Um, and so the whole how you approach political communications or public sector communications, you know, don't just give us fact, give us an anecdote that resonates with us. And this is where social media comes in because media that is social is all about stories. Um, and so it's not rocket science, but I think sometimes people just miss that point. Yeah, and you got, and also it's it's nice to see a story that you know is not fake but real. Yeah, human interest. You know the old human interest feature stories that we used to write as journalists or we yeah. used to report on. I mean, they they haven't gotten old. They're we're just telling them through the lens of, of social networks. And I guess uh, social networks has given you a chance of of telling it live as it happens. As well, thanks. That's the other big shift is real-time data, real-time news. And this is the other challenge for public sector organisations. It's about resources and capacity. You know, can we invest in having somebody sitting on our social networks 24-7? And in fact, something that the HSE have done very well in the last 12 months, they now have a 360-degree approach to their customer service. So they have a phone line, they have web chat so you can go onto their website and chat to a real person they have twitter um, and they also have email and people expect that and so now you can speak with somebody through any of those channels from wherever you are and um, it's not 24 7 but i think it's like monday to friday and um, a little bit at the weekend and i think that's been a good evolution i think other organizations should follow suit yeah i hope it happened because i know for that level- with HSC, for example, if you've got a, an issue with your health, back as someone's, you can talk to somebody there and then pretty quickly. That's a game changer in a way. You know, it's such a game changer and it's such a nice way to put it. It's a game changer for you as a user of the health service. Um, and that gives you trust and reassurance that you can get your answers. And digital is the way to do it. It's the medium. It's never been easier. And most of these channels are free. You just have to invest in the people to be able to deliver that one-to-one service. Um, and hopefully, um, hopefully that organisations will see that value for them, but also for the people that they represent. That's good. Thanks so much for that enlightening interview, uh, Joanna. And good luck at, the, at your conference uh, next month and uh, have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Rodan. And uh, keep up the good work in protecting uh, truth in the media. I'll do my best. You, you, you take care then. Thanks. Bye. Bye.